Welcome to Curious Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are on episode 53, yeah. the end of year one. Woo! That actually worked out. That was pretty crazy. I was kind of interesting. I was kind of worried about the camera over yeah. there. No, that was good. Except for now, I've got some uh, confetti in my water here. So I'm going to have to like... It just adds a little flavor. Yeah, good. it'll be fine. So if you're listening to the podcast and you just heard two random pops, what was that, Mike? We had... Confetti cannons for our one year, man. We made it a year. Purisal podcast. That's crazy. That is crazy. Because I, I will tell you, remember, we had this discussion. We're like, well, maybe we'll just be talking to ourselves for a while. And then, you know, we got some listeners. And then what was our plan? Do you remember what our plan was? Uh, you know, we were basically like, you know what? Let's do this for, you know, a few months, year tops to see if it works. And if, you know, if it's, if it's a lot of time, we put a lot of time and energy in it. So we kind of said, like, we'll meet after a year of doing this. And if if it's if it's working, if we're enjoying it, maybe we'll keep going. Uh, if it's way too hard, we'll quit. But man, we made it a year and it has been amazing. It has been. So we're not closing up shop. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> we're renewing a season two. Yeah, season two coming to you next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? What's, what's it? Today is, today's Tuesday. We're dropping an episode tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. So when you hear this, it's going to be tomorrow. <laughs> Don't you like that? Well, it'll be today. It'll be today. Ah, oh, see? This today's yesterday. Oh my goodness. Okay. The confetti's throwing me off. We're just gonna we'll put it there. So yeah. it's a little distracting, a little glitter everywhere. So this is a little bit of a different episode, right? Yeah. So we kind of decided that uh, as the end of season one, that we would kind of take a look back over the year of Purosal Podcast and kind of talk about uh, some of the things that we covered during the year, what what were some of the important takeaways, uh, kind of recap the year. And then starting next week, we'll have season two, which we have some new things in store. We're going to be hoping to drop potentially as much as um, as many as two episodes each week. Yep. So uh, we will see how that goes. Well, now now we have to. Yeah. Well, up to up, <laughs> up to, to two. two up to two. So, so it's like a it's one of those clearance sales like up to seventy percent. Exactly. Yeah. So and then you go in and it's like one item is seventy percent off. So maybe it'll be one week with two episodes. Is that what well, we're saying? Hopefully at least every other week is two. And then occasionally we'll go multiple weeks of two yeah. in a row. So, so let's just see where this goes. Yeah. So keep an eye out. Make sure you're checking your uh, your iTunes feed or wherever you're getting your podcast. And make sure you're subscribed if you're not subscribed to YouTube. Uh, that way, if a new episode drops, you know, even if it's not on a Wednesday. And by the way, we're at 85 reviews on iTunes. Oh, and oh. we would love it if, you know, within a few days of this podcast going live, if we could make it over 100 because uh, we're at about 4.5, right? And yeah. I, th I think it's kind of like Amazon. Like, we could still get the five stars, even though we have some negative in there. So, hey, if this podcast has brought you value, we would love it if you just write a quick review, you know, just a quick sentence or a paragraph. And then, uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. We'd get over 100 reviews by the end of the week. Yeah, and I love how uh, legitimate our reviews are. Like That is true. They're, like, thought out, yeah. like, detailed. It's awesome. It's nice, because I, I was on Amazon the other day, and I was going to buy something. And I was like, wow, this has exactly 100 reviews and five stars, right? That was a little fishy. <laughs> and then I started looking. I looked at the comments. Oh, I, know, I know where this is going. Okay. So it was, I can't even, oh, it was a, a rat, a mouse or rat repellent, right? Like the, the spray. Okay. And um, I was looking through the comments and the comments were always like only a couple words each. And someone were like, good, looked cute, fit perfectly, like. So somebody so bought the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the reviews, but it was like. Were they verified purchases? Nope. Okay. But uh, so so it's nice when we look at, you know, the reviews on ours and it's people like you said, they're thought out. You can tell that people have been listening to our show. So that's nice. Hey, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So 
We're going to do a one-year kind of a reflection. Reflection. Reflecting is important. You should be reflecting in your daily life kind of just always. Like, how are things going? How can you be improving? No, I agree. I agree. And I, I will Business. tell you, things are so different now than they were a year ago. And not just podcast-wise, but like reselling-wise. Do you kind of feel that? I mean, obviously, you feel that. I feel that, yeah. <laughs> this is about when you started, right? Yeah. No, this is, this is yeah, right about when I started. By the time we recorded our first podcast, um, I maybe had a week of listing or of eBay. How many you know, items did you have at this time a year ago? 12, maybe. Okay. Hey, that's good, though. Yeah. You know, daily consistent sales of 12. Well, <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah, not quite. But no, I know. I, know. You know, I was doing okay. Um, but it was it was it was uh, the hook that got me going. And uh, now it's it's crazy to see where we're at, what what a year of reselling has done. I think that's probably been like my most um, like the most shocking to me is if you'd have told me a year ago, because I mean, if you've been following our podcast, you know, uh, my wife and I just bought a big fifth wheel RV that we're moving into. Uh, my wife is at the end of the year going to be leaving her full time job where she makes really good money to, um, to to do reselling full time. And so she could be home with with my son and uh, we'll get more family time. And if you would have told me a year ago that that's what we'd be doing, that we'd be we'd have sheds and we'd have garages full of inventory and we'd be doing it every day. Like I would have laughed at you and I said, like, this is just kind of like fun, extra money. And and it, within a year, like it, my life has changed. No, I agree. I mean, it, it, it's same with me. And again, we've talked about it so many times and I don't want to belabor the point, but you think you know, but you don't know. Yeah. And you don't know what you don't know. You know what I'm saying? And so a year in, I'm looking now and going, all right, I definitely run things a lot different than I did a year ago. And when I jumped to full time, I thought I had it all together. Like I right. thought I knew what I was doing. So in this episode, what we want to touch on is the old. Like, so what are some of those old things that we still stick to, right? Those things that still work, that tried and true, that, you know what, since episode one, two, three, four, five, through 10, whatever, there's still the things that we believe in. What are some of the new things, right? We've kind of, you know, we've, there's been some transformation as far as how we source, how we list, uh, you know, because we have to adapt, right? That's part of reselling. Yep. And then we want to take a look at the future. So we're going to have some accountability here, oh. right? Because year two, hopefully we'll have a year two. Oh, there'll be a year two. Okay. We're going to look back and go, okay, what are those things that we said we were going to do at the end of year one? Kind of like our uh, our New Year's um, episode, right? Where we kind of talked about some goals for the year. Yeah, but- what were those goals? Do you remember those goals? I'm going to go back and watch that one and make sure. <laughs> I know. It's kind of what I got a word. It was discipline, I believe. No, discipline um, is still the word. Yeah. And so, you know, I think I think I've I've definitely been following through and just seeing how far that's taken me. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to talk about the future and and see if uh, if we make it. You know, if you've got a target, like you cannot hit. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about the future in the future of this podcast as we get closer to the end. Right. So that's the future. Right? Oh, okay. As you keep listening. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this. So we're right. going to talk about the future um, because you, you, you do. You have to have um, you have to have a target to be aiming at if you're going to get anywhere. Right. And as you're going towards that, you might decide that that's not the target you wanted after all. So then you change that target. But if you don't have something, you just you stay stagnant and you don't move and you're not progressing. So you need to be moving forward. And in order to do that, you got to have some kind of goals. So. Agreed. Agreed. So we'll talk about the old and the new and the new and the future. Kind of, I'm thinking of like Conan. Remember in the year 2000. I was, I was too young for that. Are you serious? Like that, that it's like retro vintage. Yeah, thanks. Mike just celebrated his. You celebrated your 30, right? Yeah, 30. Wow. 30. And, it, and it just hit me the other day when I'm like, I'm gonna be 40 in about a month. And he goes, Oh yeah, I'm about to turn 30. I'm like, Wow, well, I'm a decade older than you. Mike could have been one of my students. 
That's wild. Could have been. Could have been. Okay, he would have been the guy that anytime he raised his hand, I would have been nervous because I'm like, he's probably going to call me out on something I did wrong. No, I was. You weren't that guy? I was I was the guy who wanted to look cool by pretending like I was dumb because that was the cool thing to act. So like, I never. <laughs> does, that, does that really happen? Yeah, it happened. Okay, all right. That's, I, I don't I, I don't remember that happening when I was older. It was kind of like anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it happened at your school. That yeah, I mean it was uh, none of my friends paid attention and so it was kind of like pretend like I didn't. I'd still got great grades, but I never wanted anybody to know. So that secretly like, you're helping everyone fail, but you're succeeding. Hey, you know. <laughs> All right. I'm just I'm just wondering where that's going. All right. So, hey, so the old, okay? So one of the first things, right, is that it's still doable. Right. It's one of, you know, the very first episode, I think what we talk about, we said something of the fact that, you know, is this something that's reality, like something that can happen? And we're here to say, yes. Yep. Still are. Right. You, and you feel like it's even more doable. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny. Somebody made a comment on Instagram the other day when I, I showed a haul that I got and they kind of said, get your drone already, Mike. Cause, you know, that oh, was, that's right. That I remember was, that. That was the thing that, you know, I kind of started as I just wanted some extra money over the summer um, in order to, do some hobby things, right? And that's what I thought it was. And it was like, is it doable for that, right? I remember I even asked you, like, could I make like four or $500 in a summer? And you were like, yeah, right? Like, it, that's doable. Remember, you asked in a summer. Yeah. Like, you could, four or 500 in a, in a month is really doable. Oh, yeah. Right? But you were asking in a summer. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking small, but for me, that's, I mean, that, that was the, what I needed to kind of see that, like, wait a minute, like, there's some movement happening here. And some of, some of, uh, friends of mine that have listened to the podcast, they've kind of done the same thing. Now, now, not all of them have jumped into doing it as hardcore as I'm doing it, as far as, you know, uh, letting the inventory take over their house and and trying to, you know, continue to build their store. But they're getting to a place where it's like, yeah, I've got like 20 or 30 items now. And I, you oh, know, that's awesome. and I'm having fun and I'm making an extra couple hundred bucks a month and it's, you know, fun money. And, and so it is doable really at any level that you want. It really just depends on what kind of work you're willing to put in. Agreed. And so that that's kind of, and I'm wondering, is our one year backwards? No, I, and and if sure? it is, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I just got distracted. I'm looking at the camera and going, huh, that's interesting. Okay, going back to what you're saying. Sorry, that was a little ADHD moment right yeah. there. So, so what's going on here is is the fact that, you know, we all the time, I get questions. Like I had somebody the other day DMing saying, hey, is a thousand a month doable? And I would say yes, but there's a catch there, right? you have to be, you know, constantly growing in your research. Right. Right. And that, that's the thing. It's, it's, you know, and, and as much as I love like, you know, certain YouTube and, and, you know, even trash talks and awesome series, like selling mugs, unless you're finding the right mugs all the time, like it's not going to be doable. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, or plush life isn't going to be doable, but you throw in some mugs, you throw in some plush and then some other higher end items, then it's doable. Yeah, no, exactly. You, you've got to be, you got to be willing to, expand and try different things uh, and recognize that, you know, like I said, I, I I sell quite a bit of female clothing. And when I first started, I had no interest. When I'd show up at a garage sale, there was, I had no desire to look through the women's clothing to see, you know, is any of this stuff worthwhile. Uh, but as I've gone and I found that there was market and I found certain items that were selling and that's where I'm at now. I'm selling that along with the things that I'm interested in, you know? So um, yeah, you have to be willing to expand. And, and I think to, um, I, I'm glad to see people asking numbers like that because one thing that that you know can be a little disheartening, especially when you see so many advertisements and you know people who are promising you know thirty thousand dollars a month 
and maybe not telling you very clearly that like you know that's mm-hmm. not necessarily you know your net that's that yeah. might be gross it could be a like lot 3K of work for like that 30k yeah and if that right you yeah know, you might not Agreed. even be there and it might be an insane amount of work so when you realize that like okay what what do you really want to do with this now if you did reselling full-time you can make a full-time salary doing it right Agreed. If you're doing it part-time, you're going to make a part-time salary doing it. And so you kind of have to look at it that way. Are you going to be able to put in five hours a week and and just retire and buy a yacht? No. Well, and that's the thing. It's, you know, one thing that's been very clear. And, and it could be maybe we've done it wrong, right? But our experience has been, right, especially now that we've been in the reselling community for a year, is that it's very rare that you're going to go that person that goes from, you know, zero to 30K in a month right? Net, right? I mean, is it doable? I, I'm sure it's doable, right? But for most, most people, right? Especially if you're working full time, that's really hard to do, right? Oh, thank, thank you, Michael. You're welcome. All right. If you're wondering what just happened, Mike just removed some confetti from my shirts. So anyways, all right. I wonder what the podcast people think, you know, when they're listening to the podcast, they hear, you know, confetti cannons, just randomness. So that's why you should catch us on YouTube every once in a while. Yeah. See what's going on. So you know, it's one of those things that it takes work. It's, it's not this get rich. It's not, we're not trying to sell a dream. And that's one, one of the reasons that we've been very careful and we're not, you know, you know, we've had a lot of people, you know, ask us, Hey, would you be willing to do a mentoring or put together a course or something like that? And we're not saying there's anything wrong with that. We think there's some awesome courses out there. There's some great mentoring out there, some great programs, but for us, we're at a level where, you know, we're still learning. Yeah. And I don't think we'll ever stop learning. And we want to be here for you guys to kind of encourage you guys, provide you tips, you know, be that, be that, you know, background sound when you need it, when you're listening, when you're shipping, when you're, you know, outsourcing, or just be that constant, you know, I don't know, I would say just <laughs> motivation needed to go, you know what, this is doable. This is happening. We've seen Mike and do it, Mike and Orlando do it for a year. And Mike's done it part-time, Orlando's done it full-time, and they're continuing to do it. And they're not trying to sell us on anything that we're going to get rich. Now, there is an option to be rich. It probably, you know, it's one of those yeah, things remember us, uh, little people, if you do, <laughs> no. if you make it well, like that. Well, you've talked about that, right? I mean, what were one of the, some of the things you said it would take in order to make it to the next level? Right? For me or just for anyone? For, for anyone. Yeah, I mean... I mean, what do you think? I mean, obviously, we're not there, but yeah. I think we... Part of us has purposely chosen not to right. be there. Well, I mean, it is possible for people to get a big break and to find some, you know, connection that is just unrealistic. I don't want to say unrealistic, but th- those are, that's th- almost the equivalent of winning the lottery, right? You could put in a lot of work to get those connections, but it's going to be a lot of work. And there's always this cost-benefit analysis. Um, it's you're, you're giving up something in order to gain something. And so, um, you know, there's, there comes a point where in order for me to scale further, beyond like, let's say I'm living comfortably doing this to man, I am extremely wealthy doing this. You give up more time with family. You give up more time uh, for your own hobbies and interests. And for some people, that's that's fine, right? And I'm not saying that like everybody's like fine with giving up time with family, but but you, they might still have time with family. But to them, the reselling, the that is their hobby. They don't, they don't, you know, hike on the side or do this or have these other things they do. To them, that the, they get energized by the work. If you're not that person, if when you go to work and and even if it's reselling, if it's like I'm doing this, it's making money for me, 
but I still need to unwind and throw my feet up and watch some TV and relax at the end of the day and go out on a camping trip every once in a while and get away from it, then, you know, don't kill yourself to make the money, you know, because because what's the point of having money if you're miserable? Well, and that's the thing. It, it's it's I mean, it, it's happiness, right? You're, you're trying to achieve a certain level. And I don't know if it's happiness, but it's I would say a place of satisfaction or contentment. Right. Right. Because. In the end, like for me, right, I'm a, I'm very patient. Well, I think I'm very patient. Sometimes I'm not very patient. But for me, it's I'd rather take a little bit longer to get to my goal and enjoy life as I'm moving along than, you know, just, I don't know. I, I just, I can't do the, I'm going to work as crazy as possible for like five years. Now, I do know that these this year and this upcoming year, I will work harder than I've ever worked before. I know that. I I think I thought when I first started going full time that I'd be able to just treat this like a normal 40 hour work week. And very quickly, I would say after the end of Q4, I realized that that was not going to be a reality. Now, is that specifically in order to get to uh, like a, the next level, the next standard of living or like compared to the, the standard of living you were used to when you were full time? Could you do a 40 hour work week and be there? I don't know if it's the same answer for everyone. Right. I know for me, what ended up happening was I thought I would have those 40 hours. So that's one of the first kind of like myths that came out. Right. So I thought, you know, I drive with my kids at school. I'd have the whole day. Right. But I don't have the whole day. Right. Because when, you know, let's say 40 hours. So you're talking about eight hour day. Right. So you're saying, hey, let's start at eight in the morning in that four. Well, I'll give you a quick example. You know, I drive with my kids at 830 or nine. I pick them up at three. 30, an hour and a half, I'm losing, right? right? Do the math, that's already, you know, five, six hours, right? And then on top of that, you add other life situations, right? Because now, you know, you got to take care of other things throughout the day. Some things may take longer. And so now that you know you have that little extra buffer, right? Things may take longer. I'm not saying I did it right. But what I recognized was that those 40 hours weren't always available to me. The other thing I recognized was that... I needed more than 40 hours. And what I mean by that is in order for it to be sustainable, okay, to be sustainable, I had to put in 50-hour a week sometimes, 60-hour a week. And that's especially during Q4. And especially now during whatever we call it, the summer slowdown, right? Because, I don't know, summer slowdown hitting you yet? Uh, it hasn't been too bad. I, I was gone for a whole week, um, and I wasn't able to be as active as I liked on uh, whether it was sourcing or listing. Uh, it was kind of an unexpected having to leave town. So, um, you know, I, I, summer slowdown, we came back, I think, to 14 packages over a week. So, I mean, we're getting sales every day. Okay. Um, there's been a couple of days where we haven't gotten a sale, and it's actually been nice because we're so busy with the RV, right? That we're like, oh, I get it. come home. You are like, busy. Oh, oh, there's nothing to pack, right? But um, I, I know if we were listing more, we I think, I think the summer slowdown would be manageable. It's been good so far. Yeah, and that's the thing. So I've put in a, a ton more work, right? And the reason being is I want it to be sustainable, right? So I, I don't want to be at a place where I'm living paycheck to paycheck because if I was going to go back to paycheck to paycheck, I might as well go get a job, right? I mean, I, I want to be able to have more time. And so it changed a little bit. I, I would say, you know, some weeks I spent a lot more time and some weeks I didn't. I've been able to travel a lot more. I've probably done three or four trips and now that I'm working full time, you know, and some of them were vacations and some of them were vacations. 
where when I was working full time, I never took a trip. Right. But I had to put it in the work, but I got to choose when I put in those hours. But I, I will say, I, you know, this is part of the things I was going to talk about the future later on is that I think I'm going to go hard another year uh, because I have bigger goals and I, I definitely want to get to a place where I'm not putting in 60 to hour work week. Yeah. You know, and, and I can't, I'm not saying I'm putting in that much time, but it's one of those things we've talked about that reselling is a lifestyle. It is. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, it's, it's as much of a lifestyle as like I talked about earlier that you want it to be. It doesn't have to consume your life. But then you have to realize it's not going to sustain your life, right? Um, if you're not if you're not allowing it to take up a big portion of your life, so um, you know you got to find what's comfortable for you. If it wasn't for uh, my wife planning on staying home, uh, if it wasn't for us trying to you know do that, I think um, I don't know. I probably would be happy with 500 items in my store and kind of just keeping it about that. I think I'd be making significant amount of extra income each month, but. Like you said, you've got to decide like where what is your end goal? And I realized like, okay, well, I need to step up a little bit in order to get to where I want to be. And that's the other thing. When you're part-time and you're thinking full-time, I, I don't know. I think there's a disconnect. Like for me, I was making a decent amount of money. I had over a thousand items. I was part-time, you know, making a, a few K a month wasn't, you know, a big deal, but I wasn't paying any bills with it. You know what I'm saying? I right. wasn't like I wasn't, you know, recognizing that I needed to raise more capital. I wasn't worrying about, hey, I need to have a helper. Like, none of those things were part of my reality. So when I went to full-time, all those things came into reality. And so I needed to work more to make those things still happen and keep things sustainable. Right? All right. Another old thing. Research still pays. No matter, right? You've been doing this for a year. Now, would you say you don't take out your phone as much? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I think... Even even when I very first started uh, reselling, not only was it my phone out a lot when I'm out and about, but it was getting up in the morning and I'm going to go to a thrift store and I would spend an hour on the computer just looking up what kind of stuff sells on eBay that you can find at thrift stores just because I had no idea even what to look for, right? And then I would get to a thrift store and I was like, oh wait, I remember like something about a certain type of tie. And so I would scan and look up every single tie that I saw and I'd spend... 45 minutes at the tie rack and be like, well, I didn't find any. Right. Mm -hmm. But then now I've learned like after enough times doing that, like one or two brands and I can quickly glance through them in 10, 15 seconds and be like, nope. And then move on. So I'm definitely not, I've research is one of those things where it just compounds. It builds, it's, it's, it's a, a foundation that you're building that it's knowledge, right? Is really what it is. Mm -hmm. And that knowledge never goes away, but you got to keep adding to that knowledge because one of the reasons are, are, our, our little slogan is real relevant reselling is you've got to stay relevant. Like what's trending this week, two months from now might not be selling and trending at all. So, mm -hmm. so your research needs to stay current, but you do build like a level foundation that, that, you know, helps a lot. Like how often do you pull out your phone when you're at a garage sale? I still do. Do you? I mean, not as much, but you know, leaning back on what you're saying that some things aren't relevant anymore. You know, for a very long time, my main moneymaker was like Hawaiian shirts and Harley for a long time, even when I was part time, even until I went full time, it still was. But I would say this year that shifted a lot. And what it shifted into was I had to do some research on women's clothing. Right. So one of my biggest scores in these last few months was a woman's brand. And I'll share that in our hustle of the week in our next episode. Ooh, ooh. 
But had I not done that research and recognized that brand, I would have lost out on money. Right. And here's the thing, like some of the shirts. So I'm, I remember there was a day where I could sell these uh, rain splinter, Miki Maka. I think I said that right. Like Christmas shirts. I used to be able to sell those for like 80 to hundred bucks. Easy. Now I may get 50, but it'll take a long time. Right. So I still need to research. I can't do the tried and true and just show up. Now, there are some times where not having done research, you know, you take a risk, right? You get a big bulk buy. You know, you do a research on a couple items and you just like your department 56, right? You took a risk. You did a little bit of research though, right? How did, how did it look when you did that? You kind of talked about this in the past podcast, but how many items did you look up before you made that big bulk buy? Um, I, I didn't look up any of them when I made the bulk buy. You didn't buy. look any of them? I thought no. you looked up like one or two. No, not. Oh, that's bold. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I saw there was big houses um, and I saw they were big all, houses. I saw they were all department 56. Okay. And I knew. Now, once I made the purchase, because I knew I'd, I'd make money once I made the but purchase. What about, you had like a, another item in there, right? That you did some research on. Yes. The, the model car that I picked up. Yeah. Okay. So now that one I did research. So, um, you know. And there were a whole bunch of Barbies I was researching while I was there too, which is not something I would normally do. Right? Like yeah. I typically stay away from Barbie, but I had found enough model stuff that they had that was money, right? That yep. wasn't just like, uh, it got me, my, my attention. It kind of threw up some flags of like, okay, the items that these people have are nice name brand expensive items, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just junk stuff they're getting. So I started looking some things up and they had one like Barbie Coke set. Yep. Um, and... About? It was going for a ton of money. They were going to sell it to me super cheap, but it was missing a few of like the main components and I, it just wasn't worth it for me because the individual components weren't selling as much as the whole set. So, uh, but, but yeah, so there's still times when you do research and I think part of it is, um, you know, you've got the foundation of knowledge, you know what you need to do. Um, you get out there and when you see something unique, like when I found that HP calculator, right? I knew calculators were worth money. Now, I didn't know off the top of my head that this specific one was worth money. So I had to look it up and do the research on it. Um, but having that foundation of knowing, hey, older scientific calculators, you know, they still hold their value and some of them are worth worth quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of part of it. Now, what I've noticed is I do less research at home before going out or just general trend research, which I need to do uh, a little bit more of. One thing I've noticed that I would recommend, I, I saw this on Instagram, but another reseller uh, was specifically with women's clothes is to buy um, like the, the magazines, the, the fashion magazines yeah, yeah. and yeah. use the keywords I, I out of there. That is so huge. Yeah, Because not only will you know like what styles and what, you know, prints are really popular, but even the keywords of what you call certain cuts and certain things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've got it. You still, depending on how much you want to go in, like you're going to have to do the research in the field to know, to know what's what. Agree. And I would say even with pricing. So one of my biggest sales as far as a pair of sandals this year was a pair of Birkenstocks, which I could have just listed for 50 or 60 bucks. But I did the research and found out that these go for over 100 and it sold wow. for over 100. Nice. And these are a pair of sandals that you would have just looked at and like, oh, they're Birkenstocks. Probably make 50, 60 bucks. Right. But again, it's research. Right. And especially now that we have Terapeak right, yes. as part of our eBay store subscription. And we've talked about this in past podcasts. Somebody may sell something for really low the last three months. But if you look over the year, you may have gone, wait, the average selling price was probably like three times what, what they were selling for, and, which also could help you when it comes to, um, you know, 
eBay arbitrage, right? Like if you recognize that, mm-hmm. okay, it looks like summertime, this item's price value goes up significantly and you're seeing like, hey, around the wintertime, they're selling for like half what they should be selling for. Hey, maybe buy them up, store them and know, you know, I mean, you're always taking a gamble. Was that just a one-year trend? You don't know, but it, it's, you have a better understanding of the price fluctuations of, of items that way. Agreed. I mean, I think of the Swatch Watches. Remember the Swatch Watches yep. I picked up? I think I picked up, I want to say it was like eight twelve. And the initial research showed people were selling them for like 40 to $50. I did some Terapeak research and saw that some sold for over 100 So I listed all of them for over 100 I've already sold five of them uh, for more than 80 bucks a piece. Okay, think about that. And that was in, I think I paid $18, I think, for all those watches. So think about it. If I sold, I don't know how many watches did I say I sold five? I can't mm-hmm. remember. Five, right? That's a hundred. Let's say I sold them all for fifty dollars, right? But then I did my research, right? I went back in time, and then I sold them for eighty. That's a hundred and fifty dollars I would have missed out on, right? Plus other watches that still haven't sold. So, no matter how long we've been reselling, whether it's been seven years, whether it's been one year, it still pays to do your research. So I think we got to get to you know we always talk about this, right? The more we do this, the less we know, and that's why we've got to research. Okay. That's right. All right. What about sticking your roots? You feel like sticking your roots is good still? Like, you know, back to the Doug decoy, the, the, what is that? That muscle caliper thing you picked up like your first week? Yeah. I think, I think what I, what I took away from that was just going in a little naive, right? Okay. When you, yeah, so, we'll so, so that. there, and I think, I think there's certain items like you said that change. They don't, they don't stay relevant forever as far as like your Hawaiian shirts and, and Harley and, but I think you still know you could stick to your roots in that. And when you see those brands at the right price, you know, you can, that, that still is your bread and butter. And I think, I think there's something to be said for having, finding your bread and butter items. What are the easiest things to find in your area, right? If you are in a city with a major NFL team, like, you know, we have had a major NFL team here in San Diego. Hopefully one day again. Yeah, maybe. Uh, So there, like everywhere you turn, there's charger stuff. So most of it is not worth money, but if you know what is worth money, it's in, there's so much of it that it's easy to kind of find. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think sticking to your roots is good when you have stuff that you know you can make your bread and butter items, which frees up time and capital to look for the really interesting, unique stuff, you know, later on. Yeah, I agree. And I want to take it a step further. So when I went full time, I had talked about how Amazon was like kind of my main source of income, but my initial roots right? With eBay and garage sales. And I'm back to my roots. I'm still going to do that. Does that feel good? It does feel good because I actually, I love it. I enjoy it. And don't get me wrong. Those of you that follow us on Instagram, like when I was doing Q4, remember those days? I think there was, I think I went at least 45 days without a day off. Like every day I was at a Target, I was at a Walmart, I was at a Ross, I was at a Marshall's, shipping stuff out to Amazon every day. And I loved it. It was fun. But I honestly believe that I could have done a lot more had I continued doing garage sales and eBay at that point in time. On top of or instead of? Don't know yet. Right? Because that's kind of the question. I'll know know next Q4. Because there's a a cost-benefit analysis, right? Like every minute you give up retail arbitrage to do garage sales, you know, is... Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's like right now, like garage sales have been great. Right. I mean, we have and we'll talk about this here in a little bit. We have more inventory 
Then we have listing. Well, no, okay, not that bad. That would be really bad. That would be bad. <laughs> that would be really bad. I mean, two thousand items. That would be Ooh. terrible. Okay, no. But what we're saying is we're not short on inventory to list, right? But that's because garage. I would say garage sales, right? And I think Mike and I would you say our, one of our strengths is garage sales? I think so. I think it's. I think it's a combination of. Um, Work ethic, right? Willing to get up early and be there. Well, I don't know about that. I hate getting up early. <laughs> well, All but right. you do it, right? I do it. You I do, do it. it. Sometimes later than you, but I do it. You do it. And, and um, you know, just it's one of those things, the more often you do it, the, the quicker and easier it becomes as far as how you negotiate with people. You can, you can usually within a few words of talking to somebody, tell whether or not they're going to be budging on prices, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Even just looking around, you can tell like if every price, every but item not has everybody a, can do that. though. That's true. But if you do it often, right, that is the true. more that's you true. do it, if you, if you go to garage sale every weekend for a year and you go to, I mean, how many, how many sales do we average each weekend? I mean, it's probably, you know, I would say at least 10, yeah, 10 to 20. If it's, and, and if it's like a community sale, it's like maybe 25, right? Mm -hmm. Because you get so many more. So you figure, and, and we're lucky in that there's pretty much garage sales all yeah, year long. Agreed. Um, but if you, the more you're going to get to a point where it gets easier and easier and easier, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and if you enjoy doing it, and that's the other thing is I love going to garage sales. Now, if you don't, if you much rather be in a Target or a Walmart scanning items, like if that's what you enjoy doing, then don't do garage sales, right? I mean, there's money to be made there, and so if you're if you need the money, do it. But do the thing. Stick to the roots of what make you happy. And you tend to start doing something that you enjoy doing. Agreed. I, and I still, I still love doing Amazon. Don't get me wrong. It's nice. It's still fun going out there and getting those hot items. But I'll give you an example. So I got to a place where, you know, now that you're full time, you can beat most people to like hot items, right? Because right. people are working. And I did it for a little bit. And then I just, I just got tired of the chase. It just was not... It was not fun. It was not, it just, it was something I just wasn't enjoying after a while. And yeah, did I enjoy the quick flips? Did I enjoy the money? Yeah, but I, I wasn't a fan of the anxiety. I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of tanking. Oh, not a fan of tanking, right? And uh, I know right now on Instagram, there's all these people talking about, you know, you shouldn't worry about tanking if, you know, you know your business and blah, blah, blah. But reality is, it's reality. Like on Amazon, tanking is worse now than it's, ever been before okay and it's i think it's only gonna get worse but there's still money to be made okay the other thing is you know i love going to a garage sale and you know the scores like so i had weeks upon weeks that i just kept picking up harley stuff over and over and i love harley stuff because it's unique it tells a story right where'd you get this shirt or why do you have this collectible or you know, and why is this important? And so they also, the leather jackets are awesome. Like, it's, it's exciting, right? Department 56, you know, I think it's just unique stuff. I'm not like, oh, Department 56, can't wait. You know, I'm not like that about it, but I think it's cool. Like, you come across some pieces that are like baseball pieces mm -hmm. that are pretty cool and, and so on. Or you end up picking, you know, you get a huge, I love vintage 90s clothing, right? So when I'm able to score some old school starter satin jackets, or I'm more likely to list those faster than, you know, right now I, I, you know, I have stuff. I still need to send them to Amazon that I just don't want to deal with. Right. I got some DVD players. I got, I got some apparel. Like I just don't want to deal with it. And again, not that I, you know, I'm opposed to Amazon, 
I just, you know, I'm just going to say it. I think there's a misconception that retail arbitrage isn't as much work as eBay. I, I think it's a misconception. Or maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe my processes are off, but I just feel like I, it's work. It's, it's, I don't think it's any less work than me going to a garage sale. Oh, man, we're getting controversial. Okay. I could be wrong, but I could be right. Where I think, you know, four hours at a garage sale, I get enough items to make one to 2,000 net. Or I go four hours retail arbitrage. I pick enough items to make one to 2,000 net. Right? I still got to pack all those items. I still got to ship all those items. The only difference is I don't have to take pictures. But if pictures don't bother you as much and listening or you got a helper, it may be the same amount of work. I don't know. What do you yeah, think? I, I, and I think one nice thing about retail arbitrage is it's it's more flexible, right? I can go I can go in the middle of the week, you know, Wednesday night. I can head to stores and pick up some items. You can do Maybe, that at thrift stores. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, but but yeah. more often like garage sales, which is where the 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 fire ROI is, right? Like yeah. that's that's where we love it. You're looking at like a two hour window once a week mm-hmm. if the weather's right. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. A I couple agree. of times a year in certain places, right? Like, so you've got like this narrow window. And when you go, I mean, there's nothing worse than feeling like when you get out there, you go to a community garage sale and you spend the two or three hours and you don't get anything. And it's like, I not only did I blow that time, but like maybe there was some other stuff that I could have made. Whereas if I would have went to do some retail arbitrage, probably would have at least been able to get stuck. I agree. Right? Maybe. I keep saying maybe because... Again, you know, you can use software like Tactical Arbitrage. You can use BrickSeek, but it's not always guaranteed. I can't tell you how many times I use stuff like BrickSeek and it doesn't work in San Diego. Like it'll say, oh, there's quantity five and I'll go out there and there's nothing. And it'll be like that for like five or six stores. But that's if you're looking for like specific, like the hot items, right? But if well, you're just like hot willing items, to like... Things that have been super clearance. Right. But if you're willing to like just not even look at clearance, but just scan. Oh, I agree. I agree. Like the it, old it, school way. Yeah. Yeah. If it, it just seems like more. I mean, it's it's more tedious, I feel like. Not not as as exciting, but I feel like it's that risk reward payoff where yeah. you don't have much risk walking into a target and scanning every item for eight hours and figuring out what where your profit is versus, you know, going out to garage sales where you could make a ton of money or you might not make anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go into Target, you're probably going to make something. But, I, you know, it's funny. I, you t- we talk about retail arbitrage, but one of my roots was books for Amazon FBA. And so you have left that. I left it completely. So there's a part of me right now that's going, maybe I need to go back to books. Because there was a time I was making a decent amount of money making, selling books. And see, like I, I, I started to try books and I got the scanner and everything. And I just I didn't put the time in it, so it might be it might be time for me to to give it a shot too. We could start together. There we go. Competition. We got some places to go. All right. We'll figure it out. So I don't know. I I just say sticking to your roots because I will tell you right now, I am definitely enjoying my reselling more now. Again, I'll say Q4. I love Amazon Q4. I love hustling. I love getting out there, but right now it's a little different. Like if I want to go out there and do like I'm going to do some retail arbitrage over the next couple of days, but I'm kind of like. I'd rather stay back and just list items because I know if I sell this one item, I'm going to make 300 bucks. Right. Instead of me having to find 20 items to make those 300 bucks. You know what I'm saying? That's true. Yeah. I mean, and and not having to deal with quantity, right? Like that's another part with retail arbitrage. Like you can, if you're lucky and you're at thrift stores or garage sales, get one or two items that are going to make you the same amount of profit that 
200 items are going to make you retail yeah. arbitrage. Yeah. Agreed. You know, and so dealing with that much more inventory, whether it's even if it's only one item that you scan once, pack and send, like it's taking up space, it's taking up, it's, it's a lot more work. Yeah, agreed. And again, we're just sharing our perspective, right? I, I truly believe there are, and I've spoken with many of you on Instagram that you have your systems down. And so the stuff I'm struggling with isn't a struggle for you because you've had the system. Some of you have done Amazon for years. I've done Amazon for about, I want to say 10 years, FBA for five, no, now six. Yeah, six years or maybe five. I can't remember. But, you know, I also was doing it part-time, right? So I enjoy selling certain things on Amazon, but other things I'm just kind of like, you're not going to find me in the women's section looking for women's apparel to send in Amazon or women's underwear. That's just not my it's just not my thing for Amazon. Right. But some people make good money doing that. You know what I'm saying? Even groceries, right? Like, Oh, yeah. See, groceries, I won't do. Like, I just, I always worry about that kid that's going to choke on that bag of chips. Right. And next thing you know, I'm going to have to be stressing about that. So, again, fear, right, is most of the time it's not based in reality, but that's just the fear I have. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Okay. There you go. Good How about stuff. the new? What are some new things you picked? I mean, everything was new to you. <laughs> but there, you know, before we go into the new, hey, real quick, if you haven't had a chance yet, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that bell button and get notifications. We have some things in the works. Can't chat about some of that now, but there's some things coming up and definitely YouTube will be the place to find some of those items. And I, I know we've been saying that, but there is stuff happening. So stay tuned. So if you haven't had a chance, please, uh, you know, hit that subscribe, hit that bell button. Also, if you're not following us on Instagram, we definitely recommend you do. We drop knowledge on there every day. Mike and I were talking about, we've got a whole year. And I believe we've posted every single day on Instagram for the entire year. That's right. Stories and on the feed. And it's been intense, but we're always dropping knowledge. Sometimes it's an extension of what we talk about on the podcast. And sometimes it's something we never even talk about on the podcast. So definitely on Instagram, we are Pure Hustle Podcast. We are Pure Hustle Podcast on Facebook. We are Pure Hustle Cast on Twitter. Our Twitter is growing. Have you noticed that? Yeah, that, that's good. It seems like our Facebook is the one that just kind of... I don't know. I just feel like Facebook is antiquated. But I do know that like the biggest reselling groups are on Facebook. So I feel a little bit disconnected. So I yeah, get it. We're not we're not part of them. That's a bummer. I know. If you're if you're if you're part of the, the Facebook community, especially the, the the reselling community of Facebook, give us a follow and and you know, <laughs> you know sounds really sad what you're saying right there. You know, just kinda of invite us in. Invite we'd us we'd in. like to be part of the Facebook community. <laughs> All right. Also uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Spotify and, or watching us on YouTube, hit that share button, share this podcast with others that, you know, are maybe thinking about reselling or maybe they need just that extra income. You know, this is one way to do it. And there's 53 episodes now to listen to or yeah. to watch. And uh, I, am I missing something here? I don't know. But last of all, if you just want to say thank you in a monetary way. Again, thank you for the donations. We're always like, wow, like people like just out of nowhere just said thank you. If you want to just, there's a link below to PayPal. If you want to say thank you in a monetary way, whether one-time gift or maybe a monthly, it's available there for you. And thank you all. And just, again, thank you guys for shooting us an email, giving us a call on our number, 619-738-1170, 619-738-1170. You know, we may need to do one day just a Hustle of the Week episode. We're getting a lot. Yeah. So it's getting tough because now I'm like, all these are really good. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. We'll have to figure something out. That'd be good stuff. So 
hey, thank you all again. And uh, just want to say we appreciate all you guys. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you all you new listeners too. Yeah. Right? There's some people have been with That's us from right. day one. That's crazy. They, That's awesome. they, they put up with our... Okay, let's talk about those first two episodes. For reals. Like, I don't even think we looked at the camera. Have you noticed that? What do you mean? Like, we're just like this the whole time. Mm. I, I don't even... I think I'm like turned this way. Yeah, and, and part of it is we... We didn't know if we were actually gonna like record video and like that is that true. Way. That is true. It was kind of just gonna be like maybe we could throw this up, um, which is fine, you know. Uh, but I mean, we kind of have mentioned the story a few times. So the first two episodes that we released were actually kind of like a redo. It was a whole different studio too. Yeah, we were in another room, and we recorded. I think I think we recorded three episodes. We did. We recorded. We stayed up. We, I think we recorded. All three in one night. All three in one night. It We're was like, late. That way we can just release them, you know, and we have some stuff in back stock and we can kind of get this started. Uh, and I got home and I started playing the audio and the way my system was set up and the way the, the line input was too powerful for the recorder and all of our audio sounded like garbage. It was all clipped. It was all distorted. It'd be like listening to me talk and I was like, <laughs> right. And I was like, bad. you didn't tell me it was that bad. It was bad. That's pretty bad. It wasn't that bad, but it was okay. bad. So I was like, Orlando, we need to redo this. And and even the video, right? So there's there's lots of specs as far You've as seen like, some of them. They're a little blurry, but Mike is on point 99% of the time. I'm I just trying, wanted, I wanted to say thank you, Mike. Thank you. For doing a great job with the tech on the audio and the video. Yeah, well amazing job. Trying to trying to grow it a little bit and make it make it a little bit better. And but yeah, so those first the first three, man, we we were like, well. We're redoing it, right? And so I think some of the awkwardness, because I feel like the original three that we recorded the very first time were, I mean, we we were new to to talking to each other about reselling like this and recording it. true. But I feel like it was very organic. It felt good. It wasn't super awkward. But then the second time we recorded them, I think we were trying to like... Do the first episode. Make sure that we yeah. were like like covering the same things we covered the first time. And so like it was a little, it felt a little more robotic. It was like, okay, next we talked about, you know what I mean? And so we were trying to like keep it the same. And, you know, so those of you who started listening to those first few episodes, like we appreciate the fact that you stuck around. Um, even now when people first start listening to us and they find us, they go back to those first ones. I'm like, oh. I always feel like we should re-record oh. the first two. Well, you can't do that. I know, I know. We won't. Maybe we should add like, you know, a you disclaimer could, at the a beginning. Disclaimer at the beginning, like, thank you for listening to our podcast. These first episodes are garbage. They're thank not, you for whoa, listening. Whoa, whoa. They're not garbage. They're still good. The content, content the content is good. Quality is, you know, it's we, all good. We were growing. I will tell you, and uh, we'll stop reminiscing about the podcast. But the funnest time we had was the conspiracy episodes for me. That was pretty fun. That was fun. That whole scene with you in the monk outfit. And if you haven't caught that, actually, it's in our highlights on Instagram. We have some video on there. Where we were playing some monk music or something yep. in the back, and you were like worship. No, I don't want to say worship. You were paying homage to the CEO of eBay. That's yeah. pretty good. So you know, I mean, <laughs> normally we don't do that on camera. We do that off camera. You know, to get those sales. But there you go. Get the algorithm. Get the going. algorithm going. That might, I finally watched. Uh, Ralph breaks the internet. Okay, we talked about that, and it yeah. kind of it cracked me up with the the Buzzfeed person, like my friend, the head algorithm over. Yeah. True. You know, there's a lot of eBay on that uh, on that movie, which is pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that algorithm is kind of tricky. You got to figure out how to make it work. But you know, if if wearing a lucky hat when you list does it, man, you got to do what you got to do. 
I don't know. I just, you know, and here's the other one. Thank you guys for those of you that watched our first thrift store video. I think that was the king of awkwardness. You think so? I think so. I felt like it's, I felt like we were trying to make the podcast into a video. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I kind of like that. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I mean, thank you guys for all the thumbs up. I appreciate that. I just remember watching that going, ooh, ooh, like I'm talking, you know, talking too much here, talking too much there, you know, but uh, it's okay. We, we found it. I think we kind of got our stride. I think there's, we're still awkward. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm okay with being we're awkward, awkward guys. We are awkward guys. <laughs> I think that helps us at garage sales though. Right? Because awkward silence, we're good with it. We're comfortable with it. Yeah. <laughs> we really are. So It works. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the new here. So I talked about this a little bit. All platforms are work. Would you agree with that? That's yes. something I think we learned. Yep. Right? Poshmark, you would say, is work. That's a lot of work. In fact, I mean, we've made fewer sales on Poshmark as time has gone uh, because we just haven't put the amount of energy into it that it requires. And here's the thing. I still am adamant and, and, and fully believe that Poshmark is a viable platform. When we were putting a lot of time and energy into it, we were doing really well. Uh, we were making money on it, but you got to be sharing. You've got to be, you know, there, there's a whole other element to it. Right. Indeed. And so we just decided like for right now, the current way we're selling, like we're just going to put a lot of energy into eBay and so we've watched our, our Poshmark sales decline. Uh, but we also know that when time allows, we put that time and energy in, Poshmark sales go up. And, you know, we still make some decent money off Poshmark. And it the shipping is so simple. I mean, every time we get a Poshmark sale, it's like, oh, that'll be easy to do. Like, we have that packed and sent in like three minutes, right? Whereas sometimes an eBay sale, depending on what it is, could take a little bit longer to find the box. And so, yeah. Every platform is work, so you've got to realize that whether you're going to be doing Mercari or or any new platform that comes out, right? Like, because there's, you know, can you imagine what we're going to have in the next couple of years? There's going to be something else that's going to come out. And so, you know, go for it. Give it a shot. Try it. And realize, though, that if you want to make it work as much as you're making on eBay or Amazon, you're going to have to put in that amount of work on that platform. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And, you know, I'm still getting to that Poshmark. I'll have an update at our next episode. Right. But uh, again, but that's one of the things that kind of turned me off to Poshmark was that like, I need to share. Like, I just was like, no, like, I don't want to share. I'd rather get, maybe I'll get a bot, but then if I get a bot, then I'll get in trouble. Right. So I don't know. And, you know, have one of your uh, kids do it, put them, put them to work, give them like an allowance, to, like do a thousand shares. Yeah, but a day. See, okay. But that's the thing. I re- So right now I am considering having one of my sons be one of my listers. Right. For eBay, because he's right there. I have, you know, the light box and I could be doing double work, especially in the summer. Right. And so that that's the hard thing. It's it's I think all of it, all of it has work. I don't think unless you're doing private label or you find out, you know, some niche where it doesn't take as much work. Maybe you find a way to do some retail arbitrage on eBay where you never have to source and everything comes to you and then you can flip it and it's already packed. I mean, if you find that, that's awesome. But, you know, eBay, eBay still work, right? I would say even now with send offers, there's another avenue, right? But I, I love send offers. Oh, amazing. Did you see the latest Instagram post I put? No, I haven't noticed. With the Batman signal and it says send offer. Like, because that's how I feel. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, it's money. It's like every time, every time it's like, oh, we've got six items we can send offers on. It's like almost guaranteed you're going to sell one of them. Agreed. And and it's I'm finding that indirectly things will sell. Yeah. 
right? So I may have sent somebody a $30 offer on a $50 item that I'm just trying to move and somebody will pay full price. Now, one thing you got to be careful of with the send offers, it's, it's like having, I mean, anytime there's an offer out, but when we had to leave the state kind of unexpectedly and we set our um, stores. I see what you're saying. To like five the handling days, time. The handling yeah. time to five days. Any item that had an offer out on it, we could not change. So it was just like, hopefully none of these. Sell. But I think you could backtrack and call eBay and say, hey, by the way, I changed my handling time. The person didn't accept the offer. It's kind of like I had somebody just recently, they bought something, they didn't pay for it until two days after I left. I already changed my handling time. So I'm going to call eBay and say, hey, listen, this person didn't pay right away. I left. I changed my handling time. Could remove it. And most, I would say most of the time, eBay will work with you yeah. on that one. So, but yeah. You know, eBay, it's funny because we talk about, you know, Poshmark shipping's easy and eBay, you know, shipping's a little bit more, right? But it's kind of the one and the same, right? One, you don't have to share the other. You don't, but you still need to keep an eye on both, right? right? Because you have the danger of things going stale on eBay if you're not moving inventory. Yeah, you need to be, have some kind of diversification, even within your store on eBay, right? Unless, again there's going to be some listeners out there who only sell one or two items and they sell thousands of them a month, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you probably don't have hundreds of different types of items, but most people probably have just an eclectic collection of random stuff. And, you know, you, so you need to be diversified. Don't just sell sports equipment because, you know, certain seasons, those aren't going to sell. And then the same or goes so different kinds of sports equipment. Yeah. And then the same goes for platforms, right? Like it is, you have Amazon and eBay, mm -hmm. right? I'm Poshmark and eBay. So having a, another platform, and I think, I mean, you're a big fan of Gary Vee and he talks a lot about like, you know, new social medias come out, always jump on, even if they flop, you know, it might only be out for a month and it was- Like our Snapchat. <laughs> Remember we had, a, we had a Snapchat actually for a month. I don't, did we post, we posted maybe two things. Yeah, it just wasn't, it didn't work for our applications, but you got to try it, right? Because you never yeah. know what you're, what you're sleeping on, right? Like you might, you yeah, might have the opportunity of a lifetime with a new platform that comes out. And if it's free, give it a shot, right? Put put 10 hours into it and say whether or not it was worth it. But, you know, because that as we're talking about the new, like we've got to know, like there's there's been new platforms that, that have come out recently. And I think those platforms have changed, right? Like Poshmark has changed, mm -hmm. allowing, eBay you know, home changed. goods. Yeah. And so th there's been changes within the platforms, but there's going to be something else that comes out soon. And I remember when I first started seeing commercials for Mercari, and I didn't know what it was, right? Like mm -hmm. it was before I was a reseller, but I'm thinking like the next time I see a commercial for some new reselling thing, like I need to jump on it. Cause yep. you just never know. Cause especially cause in the beginning there could just be a, a spike of, you know, whatever target audience they're going after and young even hipsters or whatever. <laughs> and even Mercari's work, you know, because you get people that like your item and then you got to wonder like, am I going to change the price? Mm -hmm. Right. You still have to ship the item. So all platforms are work. Right. You just got to find the platform that works for you. Right. I would say you do need at least two platforms, though. I think it's I think you, you got to be careful. Right. And and that's one of the things where right now I would say I got eBay to like 80, 20 right now. Where back in the day, I was saying it was Amazon 70, 30. Right. So things are flipped a little bit, but I'm still keeping both just for the meanwhile. You know, I would love eBay to be the major platform, but I'm still. And it is a major platform right now, but I'm still, you know, trying to see where Good Till Cancel will take us, right? Because that's the new road that we haven't taken, I would say, as a reselling community is now that everything's Good Till Cancel. I know some of you have done Good Till Cancel forever, 
But there's some of us that did 30 days. So we're trying to see, like, what are the effects going to be, right? All right. This one has been one of the interesting ones all year. The new thrift stores only go so far for us. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Now, here's the crazy thing. So I went to like a podunk town in Florida last week. And I was there for a week. And so I, I figured for a couple of reasons, I uh, might as well do some sourcing. I didn't have a lot of room in my bag, but it's like, you know, okay. you could check to yeah. see like, if nothing else, I just want to know. know. Yeah, I want to yeah. know what the prices are out here. And so I get to this thrift store and they've got eBay listings or little cards next to a lot of items that say these sell for blah, blah, blah on eBay. Oh, it's terrible. In this hole-in-the-wall thrift store in this podunk town. Oh, it wasn't even the store that shall not be named. No. No, it was oh, just wow. some... And I, as, soon, as soon as I walked in, I was like, this place is a gold mine. It's like... I say a little store, but it was kind of like a warehouse, right? But it was like a mom and pop. It wasn't like a big yeah. chain. And yeah, it was not... I was just surprised. I was like, if I was... There was the only thrift store in the town. I was like, if I lived in this town, I could not make a living out of this thrift store. I couldn't... You know, I, I picked up four or five items that fit in my suitcase. I would still make money going in there. It would just be small amounts only occasionally when they when they miss stuff, you agreed, know. Agreed. And eventually, I feel like if if you're in a town like that and you're always picking up the things they're missing, eventually they're going to catch on to what they're missing, right? Mm-hmm. But again, when we talk about the store that should not be named, I don't know how long that's going to last for them with this these crazy I, prices. I don't know. I will tell you. It, it, they just keep upping it, right? Yep. And we'll talk about this in the next podcast. But one of the things now they're selling on OfferUp, right? They have this relationship with OfferUp. And to me, it's like, okay, well, good. You get to deal with the flakes on OfferUp, right? Because OfferUp's awesome, but you still get flakes like you do with Craigslist. Yeah. And I was using uh, TerraPeak the other day to like research some items that I was looking at selling. And you can kind of find who the top sellers are. And you can kind of back way into figuring out like, who they are because it kind of blocks out their name, but you can look yeah. at the listings and then actually pull yeah. them. And on a lot of the items I was looking at selling and the the, the person who's selling the most of them, you know, the store that should not be named. Really? Yep. Wow. I'm like, wow, they sold 37 of these in the last month. Interesting. I did not know that. Doing that therapy research right Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, and, and that's the thing. We don't... I would say this time last year, I was going to a store that shall not be named. The one, you know, that nice one that I like by my place. Probably six to seven days a week. Some days I would go twice and I would find good stuff. And then over time, the store that shall not be named began to jack up prices. They began to remove stuff from the sales floor to send to what they call eBiz or eBay or their, you know, online site, which... Again, they've been doing this for a long time. This isn't new. Like, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know, what do you call that? Like, is it called fear? What is it called? Like, alarmist? I think it's alarmist, right? Like, hey, don't put hashtags in your Instagram. Like, don't tag Goodwills. And I think there's there's truth to that. But overall, I don't think any of that mattered. No, I mean, if they hire even one competent person, which I'm I'm not saying that they don't, but like, Anybody Somebody with, that is fully engaged in e-commerce. Yeah. It, all, it, it, any of us resellers, if we were to go work for a company like that, you'd be able to quickly decide like the right prices and stuff. So it's not like I have some superpower that I can determine the prices of items that very few people can do. Like it's not that difficult with the tools that we have. And so the idea that like, I think, in fact, I think it'd be more work for them 
to be trying to research on social media. <laughs> Follow Pure as a podcast, see their yeah. scores. Like, to, no, just like, like, why would they do that? Learn themselves like, hey, Birkenstocks handle sell for a little bit more. So whenever I see those, we're going to mark those up. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And even, I mean, think about how much YouTube they would have to watch. And then they would have to kind of discern between old videos and new rel- videos and what's relevant and what's def- definitely worth picking up. Right? So do you think they like, are there any like, I don't want to call them sellouts, but do you think there are any like reseller sellouts who like get hired by those companies? Like we need you <laughs> to be our price. Some double agents out there. Yeah. And they're ruining it for the rest of us. Do you think there's a like, I don't know. Like, do you, think, I mean, have, do you be- have a price? Like if, if, if the store that should not be named came to you and said like, we're going to offer you a salary to price items in our stores across the country. I, I'll be real. I have a price. <laughs> I do have a price. I mean, it's a very high price, but I have a price with, with benefits and I choose my hours, but I have a price. Like, I mean, think about why wouldn't you? It's Let's true. be real. Let's be real. Okay. Um, you know, th- this isn't like I'm fighting for America or anything. <laughs> like, you know, this is a whole different, you know, selling myself out, you know, for my country is different than selling myself out for the reselling community. Or maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is. I don't know. We're going to get some bad comments down low. Anyways, we like to hear your comments. By the way, what's you have, your price? Yeah. What's, yeah <laughs> what is your price to sell out to the store that shall not be named? That's what we want to know. So, go, go back to, wow. That was pretty funny. I will say that is because I thought about that. Um, because, you know, we do know some people that work at the store that shall not mm. be named. And um, they're, they're pretty good with this. I will say a lot of the people that I knew that were, I was awesome with have moved on which has made things pretty tough for me. But what I will say is that I used to go there, you know, six, seven days a week. Then it got down to two days a week. Now it's gone down to maybe once every two weeks. So just think about it this way. Like, this is why I say it probably won't last for them. And I know that that's not what this episode's supposed to be about. But I just think, on average, I mean, you can't be 100% specific, but how much money do you think you spent a month back in the day at that store? Oh, I would say I actually I was calculating that. I want to say a month. Mm-hmm. It's possible that at the least one to two k, at the most two to three k. Okay, so let's just say two thousand to be to be, you know, in the middle there. So you got two thousand dollars a month. Now, how much do you think you spend there? Oh, wow, maybe three to four hundred a month. Okay, maybe. That's money they've lost. That inventory isn't moving. I, I highly doubt somebody else is going in there and buying at the highest price. Yeah, because I would buy the higher end stuff too. Right. So now they just lost a huge customer and any of the other resellers who are coming in doing the same, dropping thousands of dollars a month at the store. And now they're hoping what? That the that other people are going to come in for themselves and spend that kind of money on. And it's like, helping that it's trendy now. Yeah. Right? You know, and they could charge higher prices because the economy is good. But... Yeah, you're right. It's not going to last. I don't know how how much longer now. And there's going to be a flood of backstock. That's just what I'm waiting for. They're going to have so much stuff in backstock that hasn't been selling and going out onto the floor that they're going to like have to drop the prices. And we're just going to see like hundreds of like good items just in the store in one day. I want to be there that day. (laughs) All right. But okay. They're going to pull the lever. Drop the price. Okay. There's another side to this. The other side is we have found other ways to source. Yep. Right. I, you know, garage sales right now have been and I know it's funny because there's some people that I've heard some people say you can't make it reselling garage sales 
I don't know. It's riskier. It's riskier, but it's riskier because it's not consistent. But I don't think it's any less consistent than a thrift store. Yeah, I think I think I think that you should kind of have it set up where you can make a living or make the amount you want to make doing it, but you have backups in case Agreed. it doesn't work. Well, and that that's the other thing I wanted to say is that most of my major purchases in the last six months have been bulk buys from people I left my business card with. And I shared with that with you guys, right? The Harley score, the Hawaiian shirt score, uh, Department 56. Um, I've had scores of like cricket stuff. I've had scores of Bose audio equipment. Like all those scores have come from either a local sale where like I found something on offer up. I left my business card. I got a call later. I went to a garage sale. I left my business card. I got a call later. Like those, those have sustained my inventory more than I can even list with me and a helper. And at one time, I actually had two helpers, right? And so I, I would say one of the new things that I've learned is that I don't need to depend on thrift stores. Like I go every once in a while. I sometimes do it for the gram just because I want to show people like what's possible, what's still there. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I'm just like, I don't need to go. Right. And, you know, we've talked, we've, we've have found other connections. Right. We have a, one, a good one right now that, you know, obviously we can't share for all these reasons, but that we may have a consistent inventory supply of some really good items to list on eBay. Right. And that and a lot of that came through just putting ourselves out there. Right. As resellers. So. One of the new things I would say, you're not as scared anymore to say you're a reseller. Yeah. Were you scared initially? Yeah, I mean, I was initially and i still i still strategically don't a lot of times because okay. i think i can get better deals um if i if i don't lie but if people think that i'm buying something for myself like if you're buying like 80 pieces of a bow system give just you, because you have a big family yeah okay that's that's <laughs> maybe not the right instance but like just to give you an example like there was um, a baby monitor like that specifically goes on baby's diaper while they're sleeping and if they're while they're breathing it goes up and down really? and it goes off it starts this really loud beeping if it doesn't move okay right so the idea is if your baby stops breathing in the middle of the night alarm goes off so we bought this when my son was young um because he had spent some time in the NICU and we were just new parent you know a little nervous like okay like I'll, I'll sleep better knowing that I'm gonna know if something goes wrong yeah and so after we were done using it for a few months we're like we don't need this thing anymore it sold for a decent amount of money on eBay okay I was at a garage sale a few weeks later and I saw one. Okay. And so I was like, oh, how much for this? And the lady was like, oh, and she gave me a, a price. And I was like, yeah. And I said how old my son was. And she's like, yeah, we, we, you know, we don't use it anymore. And I never said I was buying it for my son, but I think the idea of like, okay, this is going to a good home or this is going, people I feel like are a little bit more willing to negotiate. Whereas like, how much is this? I'm going to go take it and sell it. Right. Like, yeah. Now, I if get it's it. big items, now it's different. But, but the big bulk buys, yes, right, definitely share your reseller, right? And that's helped you out a lot, yeah. right? And so, okay, I get it. So maybe on the onesie twosies, you yeah. don't want to go like, hey, but I still will. I'll still go like, there's not enough meat on the bones for me to buy this. And people usually work with me. Mm. But I don't know. Let's throw, let's throw a rating out there. Would you say nine out of ten times it works in your favor to say you're a reseller? Are, are you willing to say that? Yeah, probably. I think so. Like, we, would you say your biggest purchases this year came from saying you're a reseller? 
Well, the, like for instance, the Department 56 one, I didn't say I was a reseller. Okay, but they obviously knew you were. No, I said, I, I, I said my, uh, my, my mother-in-law has a nice village. And they were like, wow, that's cool. Okay, but they knew. It's not like they're like, oh, this guy must have this palatial mansion. And he's just going to fill it up with Department 56 items. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they knew. He wants his Rolls Royce model just sitting in his house. I don't know. Maybe. He went to garage sales just for this. Maybe. Okay, anyways, all right. I'm going to say it. You need to communicate your reseller. You want those deals. You want the bulk, big bulk buys. You got to do it. I, I got to tell you, it's worked against me this year. None. Maybe in the past, but I got to tell you, the big scores come that way. So, all right. And we talked about this a little bit. The new thing is, I think we both have come to understanding that reselling is a lifestyle. Just can't put it away. You may be able to go on vacation. You may be able to go out with your family. But the chings will come and the bad buyer messages will show up and having to adjust prices or send offers will always happen. So just one thing you got to be ready for, like understanding that, hey, now that you've decided to become a reseller, you can have boundaries, but understand that you won't always be able to keep those boundaries. Is that, is that too harsh? No, that's good. I, and it's kind of interesting too. Like I feel like you mentioned it's a lifestyle and, and it's different for everybody. I mean, if you're reselling the way we are, it looks different than if you're, you know, doing um, private label, right? Out of your, okay. you know. So it probably looks a little different. But yeah, I think I think if you're going to thrift stores and garage sales and you're finding unique items, you almost become a curator of, of, of yeah. unique items. And I kind of look at it like, you know, we've mentioned it before. It's like, I'm a professional treasure hunter, you know, yeah. and now that we've, you know, we've moved into this fifth wheel. I love that they're professional treasure. We moved into the the, the fifth wheel and, and that whole system. And we've talked about buying a enclosed trailer um, that we could go on like a road trip. Like, let's go visit the coast and like on our way, like up to, you know, camping or whatever. We'll just fill this trailer with items along the way at thrift stores. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, living this kind of gypsy treasure hunter lifestyle. And it's, it's definitely not what I expected my life to look like. Um, it's a little different than the normal nine to five, but, and it's fun. It's interesting. Agreed. So. Agreed. And, and that's, and again, it's one of those things I really do believe if you want to continue moving and reselling, you have to enjoy it. Like if, if you're just doing it to make money, which is nice, but I think there's a certain part of it that you have to enjoy the process. I, I cause eventually it'll just become another job. Right. And I would say both of us love what we do. It's not like another job to us. Yeah. There's those moments that there's a grind, there's a hustle. We're tired. Like we don't want to do more, but <clears throat> I, I think those are few and far between. All right. Let's talk about the future here a little bit. Do you have your crystal ball? I don't. I mean, how can we possibly talk about the future if you don't have well, a crystal I have, ball? I can talk about the hope I have for what I will do in the future. Oh, I see. So hope, hope. Isn't there like a Batman quote? There's uh, no hope without desperation. No, sorry. That's that's Bane. That could be our quote of the week. And it's probably not <laughs> there's, accurate. But. There's no hope without desperation. That's a terrible quote. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no, there's, I don't think there's anything redeeming about that quote. Well, but the idea is that desperation has to have negative connotation. Like you can you can have desperation for like good things. Like you desperately are seeking for fulfillment and you're desperate to be the best husband you can be. And you're or you got to be up against the wall and you have no options and you have to do this. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably more accurate to what that quote is saying. But I think <laughs> there's, there's validity to that. Like 
I'm at a place now where like, hey, I'm a year out. Okay. So right now I'm in that tricky phase. So let's say I wanted to get back into education, which, you know, it's still, I still ponder it. Right. I, I've had people, I've actually had offers to get back and, and uh, I, I'm not ready to, I, I love what I'm doing right now full time, but uh, you know, the resume will look tricky. Like, what did you do for two years now? It's a little different time now because if I say, hey, I ran an Amazon or an eBay business, I think most people would go like, oh, that's, you know, you Just, weren't an employee. You're an importer exporter. <laughs> Art Mandalay from Seinfeld. Okay. But I, I will tell you, like, I'm at this place where like, yeah, this is, this is what I'm doing. Like, and I, I don't know how long I'll do this. Uh, there's a part of me that wants to do this for a long time. There's a part of me that wants to do this podcast for an even longer time. Like, I love helping people. Love, you know, just being out there and letting people know that this is doable. Like, I'm part of me is like, we're living the dream here a little bit, right? But here's the thing that I need to do in order for things to get better. I need to build better systems. You get what I'm saying with better systems? Uh, do you find that you've built some kind of a system? Yeah, I mean, our systems are, are constantly evolving. Um as far as how we take pictures, how we store inventory, how we monitor where that inventory is stored. And right now we're in the process of, of a big move. So all of our eBay items, all of our inventory is going to be moving. So I think in the process of that move, uh, we're going to try and revamp the system again to try and make it more efficient because what's efficient and works with 20 items is a little different than works with 100 items. It's a little different than works with 500. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So as you grow, you've got to realize that your system has to be capable of growing with you. Uh, to give you an example, we first started doing shoes. Um, it was, we only had one tote, right? So we didn't even mark. Okay. Then we had two totes. And so it was kind of just like, we'll keep girl shoes in one tote and guy shoes in another tote. That was easy enough. Yeah. Now we've got five totes of shoes. And it's too difficult to say like girls go in one, guys go in another. So now it's like shoes go into whichever tote is has got room for the shoes. Yeah, yeah. You know, and as so, long as you put the custom skew label, you're good. But if you're not doing the custom skew label, right? Like if, if you listed it later and you forgot which one you put it in. And so there was ones when we first did, like for instance, when we were just guy shoes, girl shoes back in the day, we didn't we weren't using custom labels. So now what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through re-inventory and figure out what where each each of the shoe pairs are. Um, because half of them might have custom SKUs, but then when one sells that doesn't, you're like, oh, it's probably one of those first few totes, right? Because mm -hmm. that was before, oh, but I'm not worst. sure. I know. I still deal with that every once in a while, like randomly. Yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, the system, you got to, now I'm thinking of, of, of scaling, right? Like what, how many items in the store are we looking at? How much space am I going to need? And I want to build in room for that growth of like, okay, if I'm at five shoe totes now, I'm probably going to be at 10 this time next year. And so I want to have a system in place where I've already got the room. I've already got it ready and that my system can handle that much. And it's not just like guys and girls, you know? So I think that's part of it too. What about you? Have you changed your system? So recently? one of the best things that happened early on in the podcast was I actually set up an inventory system, huge game changer, organizing my inventory using this custom skew label. Oh, the hours of my life that I gained back. But now my problem is I have a sourcing and this is for both Amazon and eBay. It's sourcing to listing to shipping. Like I, I find that right now I'm still kind of, it's kind of a hobby still, right? So I'll go to garage sales and I'll pick up, you know, whatever I pick up. 
and they may sit in my car for a few days because I don't want to deal with it, right? So I don't have like a consistent person I can drop things off to, or I don't have a consistent system. Sorry, consistent system where I go home and okay, this goes here, this goes here. Okay, I'm gonna process all this by tomorrow. This will be listed by Monday, and then it'll go into storage. So I don't have those systems in place, and I find that it's becoming overwhelming. Like, and as I'm scaling eBay, right, as I'm looking to have over 2,000 items, right, within the next month, and as, as eventually I want to scale Amazon a little bit as we build into Q4, I need to have better systems, right? Because the only way I'm going to be able to scale, and, you know, my next goal is I want to be able to move my, my income that I, and let's put it this way, I don't know if it's going to be doable, but I want to be able to be more of a part-time seller that makes full-time income. Sounds kind of crazy, but the only way I'll be able to do that is by being more efficient with what I do. So I'm going to look into having better systems in place. Yeah, and and routine, and everybody's routine is going to look a little different. Um, we've talked before, like certain days are going to be better for certain types of, of shopping, and you need to have flexibility built in. So if you see like this crazy sale or stores closing that you can... You're flexible, right? Mm -hmm. That you're able to do that. You're, you've built in time in your schedule. Um, never fill in your schedule up 100%. I think like the rule is like only fill your schedule up 80% Agreed. to get everything done because other things are going to pull up. Um, but the when I was doing, and I know five items was still a small amount, um, and it sh I should be probably closer to 10 or 15. But when I would get up in the morning, go to the gym, come home, list five, take pictures and list five items all before six o'clock, right? And then the rest of the day, my son got up, we did some stuff in the morning, he took a nap while he was taking a nap, I did some stuff, some chores, he got up, then we went out sourcing, right? So like every day was the exact mm -hmm. same. Sales were going through the roof. Well, I was gone for a week, I didn't get as many items listed, it's been hard to get back on since being back onto that routine. And you see a decline, right? So mm -hmm. even just having that like, nope, this is the time that I am listing. And then this is the time that I go source with flexibility. But you know, it's having those kinds of routines and then figuring out what works for you. Uh, those systems are just as important as your inventory system or your shipping systems. You know, they all even even, you know, having your supplies in places where you can find station. them. Yeah, like, yeah, that was huge, too. When I first was selling, it was, you know, where's the tape? Where's the scissors? Where's the where's the the marker? And you got to do like now it's like it, it goes to step one, step two. Like, have you watched that uh, documentary, The Founder? Uh, oh McDonald's. yeah, the McDonald's guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, just seeing like how how important it was for them to like shave seconds off of Agreed. by having the their their assembly line perfect, right? Like this person does these three things, and it goes to the next person. Even the way like the 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 their stores were set up, where people can move without hitting each other from the stations they are going to mm -hmm. go to the most, and and trying to set up your system that way, where you know where everything is, your the things you need the most are closest to you, and the things you need. Uh, less often are out of the way, but still accessible. Like those things are important to figure out. And, and you spend 20 minutes organizing that, it's going to save you hours every week. Agreed. Agreed. And systems also. So, you know, one thing I didn't share about something that was new was the consistent listing, you know, where I list, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 something items a day on a good day. Sometimes it might be five to 15, but there's always listing, right? And I'm always shipping out boxes at least once a week to Amazon. The other part of that is, you know, sourcing, consistent sourcing, right? And you've, we, that was kind of an issue for you a few months ago, where now, you know, I may have 
a resource where I can go once a month. And even if I'm not able to get a lot, this place may be consistent where I know that I will always have items to source. I know what kind of items I'll be picking up and I'll be able to list those items and I'll make money on them. So just some things to think about, right? Systems. All right, for me, and I kind of talked about this. Do you have a, something else you're looking forward to in the future? You already have your fifth wheel. You got a lot happening. I mean, we've talked about a lot of it. Yeah, no, it, it really is crazy to think of what, what this time next year is going to look like. Um, I, I, I can barely even fathom it, right? Like, it's so different. So, and, and even still, like, I'm not expecting or, or wanting reselling, even though we're going to be doing it more full time, I don't want it to be another job for my wife to do where she doesn't get to have as much time with the family, right? So we're trying to figure out the way to make it right where we, we're getting the income that we need to, to sustain our lifestyle without having to kill ourselves working, doing this thing. Uh, but so it's hard to just even imagine how much freedom we're going to have with that. Um, but at the same time, I do think that we're going to be able to do more with eBay feeling less exhausted, right? Like yeah. as, as it is now, like I come home from work by the time I pick my son up from the babysitter, get home. Uh, it's, it's, you know, already six o'clock. We have dinner, we get him put to bed. It's late. I've got to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. The last thing I want to do is potentially go out sourcing or taking pictures and listing items. And when it's like oh, three things sold, I got to go out to the garage and do that. It's, it's sometimes it's miserable, but when I'm not going to be when I have more time and freedom and she has that freedom, I think we're going to be able to get more done and, and enjoy it more. Agreed. And that, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about was for the future for me is I'm going to hit it hard for another year. I'm going to grind like no other and I'm going to keep moving because my hope is, yeah, could I right now coast? I probably could. Right. I thought I could last year and I, I couldn't, but I think now I can. And what I mean coast is, you know, not put in huge amount of time and still get decent results. But I want to get to a place where I'm going to go hard for another year and then already have systems in place and have more employees, you know, possibly, and scale to a place where, you know, maybe I'm only sourcing, right? Or maybe I'm only worrying about sourcing and shipping or whatever it is, just find a way where I can get more time out of my day that is spent with my family, right? Which right now I do have a decent amount of time, but I, I would love to have more. And the other part is, I know this sounds kind of interesting, but I want to have more time in the community. Not not just what I mean, the recently community, but in the community, right? Whether, I know this is going to sound weird, but, you know, picking up a softball league or, <laughs> or helping out at the church or whatever it is, you know, finding, because right now it's just like, Hustle, hustle, work, hustle, work. hustle, 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 which I'm good with. I love it. And I, I, I think it's going to be hard to kind of wind that down, but I want to give more, right? I, as much as I love to fill my bank account more, I also want to give more, right? Because ROI isn't just about money, right? ROI, there's a huge ROI in serving others and serving your community. So I know this is kind of sounding very altruistic, but that's something I like to do after this year. So it's going to take a lot of work. Good stuff. So. All right, you got any other future things you want to share here? Um, I don't know. I mean, do we want to talk about where what we potentially might be doing with the podcast? All right. Well, I, I don't know. We already talked about the up to two episodes. Yeah. So, but hey, here's our hope. Our hope is that hey, as we as our listeners keep hopefully going up, right? And and we're gonna be able to add another episode 
right? And hopefully have two a week. I feel like we're making ourselves and we want to yeah, be. You said you wanted accountability. We want accountability. We also have some things in the works for we want to go live on a, on a few sessions here. Have more engagement with you guys. So that's kind of the future of Pure Hustle Podcast. Yeah, buddy. Right? So we'll see where that road goes. It's going to take us about a month to get to those places, but we're going to get there. So, hey, hopefully you found this informative. Hopefully this reflection caused you to reflect on some things, right? And think about like, hey, what are some of the old things I need to hold on to? What are some new things that I learned over the past year? And what are some things I need to implement in the future? So with all that being said, make sure to be real and be relevant and be reselling. Peace. Happy one year. One year.